This is the Church Planting Podcast, brought to you by the Broadcast Network. Broadcast exists to support, train and encourage church planters. For more information about who we are or about the training that we offer, please visit our website at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org. Welcome to episode 199 of the Broadcast Podcast. This week we have the final instalment of Unreached Network's Margins to Mike series and in this episode we're in Guinea hearing from Nicola Thibault telling his family story of moving from France to Guinea. When I see across the atlas, my heart bleeds on this canvas So we map the plan out to bring healing for this cancer Tunnel vision focus, seeing the broken and the hopeless There's healing in this music, as God spoke, we wrote this I've got courage Bonjour, hello My name is Nicolas Thibault, as you can hear I'm French, as a family, with Elaine and our five children in Conakry, in Guinea between 2003 and 2018. Actually, still we're still living it because we're still in contact with the church there. So, uh, I became a Christian in, uh, in, the, in the US uh, through sports in 1983. And we got married in 1987. And right from the beginning, we always felt God calling us to go to other culture and to work with the poor. So, in 1996, uh, in the middle of uh, building a family, Ilan being pregnant and having baby all the time, God, uh, uh, we, we started work, working for the church and being an elder in the church, leader of the church in Paris, and we joined New Frontiers at that time. And uh, and it was during the, the new wine and all the um, Holy Spirit falling on all of us and everything and and one during one of the prayer meeting for France there was two ladies who were there and uh, from West Indies and they share a real hurt and bitterness for what their ancestors had lived as slaves in the uh, in the West Indies and I am a my, my family is from Nantes Nantes is like uh, the French Liverpool where the city which benefited the most from uh, from slavery and I remember very clearly sitting at the front which I usually didn't like to do too much and I really prayed to God oh Lord if you want to use me to give back some something good to what all my ancestors have, have done bad to that part of the world please do it and one of the two ladies came forward to me and she pointed her fingers and she said uh, God has heard your prayer and answered it. And I clearly remember saying, oh, God forbid. Anyway, uh, I, I carried on and uh, we were uh, very busy with the church uh, as uh, the, the, most of the New Frontier Church got really touched by the message of Simon Petit about uh, remembering the poor, trying to help the poor in Paris. And at the same time in 1998, just after the the first star, the first World Cup, France won in uh, in uh, against Brazil. The following week, I was in in Guinea to help with a refugee uh, because I could speak French and English, and because clearly, 
I heard God telling me to, to go. And uh, Simon and Simon Petit and Nigel confirmed that it was right for me to go. And when I went there, I thought, I don't know what I'm going to do because uh, it was, I was so much out of my depth. But anyway, I went there and what I saw was incredible, incredibly suffering, incredibly terrible. People coming out of refugee camps, uh, incredible misery. I never saw anything, anything like that. I, I got really touch, touched. And uh, anyway, I came back, uh, got, uh, got involved uh, more in the church in, in Paris and starting helping Nigel to, to, to send uh, vehicles or different things uh, in Conakry to, to help the church there. Until 2003, during one of the other trips I had in, uh, I went to Guinea. Actually, what happened is that uh, we went to Sierra Leone and uh, with a, a guy from the church, Simon asked us to go there to because he couldn't go that time, and uh, and I realized I, I suddenly had faith to take the children there, and I thought maybe. Actually, maybe we could live in in this in this part of the world. So, and then from that, God really started speaking to me about taking the family from Paris to Guinea. So difficult decision to make. To make a long story short, we had confirmation one after the other from uh, having a job offered to go to Conakry, having a, a little uh, a house offered to go to Conakry. With a dream as well. In a dream, I, I was uh, standing on, on on top of the hill where the church was the church was built because the church was on top of the hill, one of the hill of Conakry. And uh, I saw like an ant destroying houses all around the the church because it was an earthquake. And uh, I felt, I heard God saying, uh, "This got something major is going to happen. It's going to be a lot of work to to do to rebuild." And then God said as well, but you'll have to rebuild it according to, to the value of the church. So anyway, 2003, we went there. We managed to meet uh, with John and Alex Pepe just before going in the Brighton conference. And we asked them with trembling and fear, John, Alex, what do we do in the first year? And they said, enjoy it. So that was our our mission for the first year was to enjoy and stay there and uh, and all the time trying to build a team with the children with Rebecca at that time she was 13 Timothy was 11 Robin uh, Mikai was eight and Robin was six and little Lucy was uh, was one so we tried to work there with uh, trying to live there very different everything is different the the noise at night, the the heat, of course. Uh, every, every child had the right to take one bag of uh, of uh, of toys. We didn't take a container or anything. We wanted to work with a with a church, so we wanted to be self-supporting as well. We didn't want money to go on us. It was there was there was so many problems, so many poverty problems there. So everybody, every ch child took one bag, and even with a little quantity of things they took, they still had much, much more than anybody else in the church. So it was very difficult to, to, be, to be confronted to that uh, uh, difference of uh, material level. For the first months, we just had enough money to buy mattresses because I had just a local contract in the French school. 
uh, I'm a sport teacher. I stopped being full-time at that time. We didn't want to be full-time. We just wanted to, to work like everybody else. And, uh, and uh, so it was quite tough. We lost, we lost a lot of weight the first month because we didn't have too, too much money to, to, to buy food. But we still had much more than everybody else. Anyway, we, after one year, we asked the children if they wanted to, to carry on. And they said yes on some, some condition. And one of the conditions was to have a bit more money to buy milk and cereal. Ilan found a job, we did, did the second year, we did the third year, we could feel there was something not quite right in the church, and it was. The, the earthquake was not for the country, the earthquake was, was for the church, there was a real problem in the, in the leadership, and uh, the leadership we committed ourselves to because we came, we went away, and we still, all the time, all our vision was to work for Africans, not to build something for ourselves, not to rebuild colonization, you know, uh, Guinea was a French colony in the past. We, we, we decided to, we discovered that uh, different things and we had to rebuild everything from scratch. In the first three years, we had time to develop some good way of, of living and real friendship with what was going to be, what was going to be the, the, the framework the, of the team we're still leading the work there and still doing a fantastic job with James Baker and uh, was not married at the time. And then Fengai Esmande, Prince Momo Silla. And then uh, for the school, we had uh, someone else called Mosh Davis, but he, unfortunately we, 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 we stopped working together in, in 2011. And then Maina Dixin and Anticia Siabonia, they, they, they were the one looking after the school. So, in 2006, we restarted a school called Jubilee International. Uh, we had to, because of the, the crisis, uh, the, the relationship between every, everybody were, were in terrible, terrible mess. But during the three years, we had time to build friendship with, uh, with that short team, with, with that small team. We were really real friends together. We learned our strengths and weaknesses. We learned how to, how to operate as a team and we carry on learning that. Something else we learned as well is that um, since we didn't want to, we, 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 we didn't want to bring, uh, like Nigel said in one of these states, we're not trying to bring uh, the European values, uh, Occidental, uh, Westerners values into Guinea. We're just trying to understand what are the values, the way of living, and uh, so we, we worked things together and, uh, and we were trying to serve God. Another teaching we received from Dave Devinish, trying to serve God with our gifting in another culture. But before you can do that, you need to take time to understand the other culture. You need to take time to understand how people see things, how people work things out. Otherwise, you just come and bring your own thinking and, and uh, without even realizing it. It's very important, we, during that time we learned how to, to, to build a system of working, which was anything we do, always take someone with us, always ask if we did the right thing, always uh, try to understand how, how things were working out, uh, listen before, before doing things, uh, look before acting, and we had three years to do that. Of course, when I, I was asked to preach the gospel every two weeks, uh, to preach in the church every two weeks. So when you preach, you preach. The gospel is the gospel. The Bible is the Bible. 
But even in preaching, you, you do a different way. You, it's different to preach when everybody moves in the room because in the, in the culture there, silence is not a value. Uh, and, and there's a, half of the population is under, under 15, so you've got children moving all the time. And it, it, you have to learn, you have to learn that uh, when you speak in, in French, the French Guinean speaks is not the, the is French is not the first language, second language. So all that we had to learn all that. We had to to learn how to laugh and and with a, with a, with our friends and with our brothers and sisters. We had to, they had to learn how to live with us with our strange way of doing things like uh, wanting to eat together around the table when in a culture there we don't that but you know they there's good things about doing that there's other good things doing something else and basically with our children we enjoyed it we really learned how to enjoy living in Guinea even if the, the life there is quite difficult we had a lot of people coming in and out but not like it would be in a, in an African home but. One day we had a missionary coming, a friend, a very good friend of us, and he, he, we were sitting together. <laughs> it was really funny because we could hardly talk because there was people coming in and out all the time. Not like in an African house, I'm telling you, but certainly not like in a West, Westerner house. And he looked at that, and after a while he said to me, he said, you know, I've been missionary for a long time. I had a lot of teaching, and uh, they always told us that it's not good to have people coming in and out of your house because of safety reasons. And you're doing something completely different here. And I said, yeah, we just, we just live normally. That's how we, we do. It, uh, and he said, I think you're right. We, we need to reconsider the way we, we, we did things. So we tried to build our own thing. We tried to, 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 to stay on board, to try to understand the culture without losing our identity, especially with five children. And, and we were never on our own to do anything, which is a biblical principle. In the, in the Bible, I really see Jesus, even to get a donkey, send two people together. So we build these principles. And another thing, we were there, and I think it was important when you are working with the, in, in serving the poor, we were witness of the, of the difficulty they were living. Sometimes the, the misery, the, the suffering is such, you have nothing to do and nothing to say. You can't do anything. It's too much and it's above your abilities. We, even if we have a lot of people, we, 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 we have a lot of people in the street. We lived in the same street for 14 years. So everybody in the street was coming. When we were coming back from work, it was mostly Elaine looking after that. We had a, 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 a file of a queue of people waiting to try to receive some help. We, uh, we had a doctor in our village where we live now in France. Sometimes we're calling her and she was giving us some medicine and telling us what to do. Because at the beginning, the medical system was not, uh, and it's still not very well established, but it was even worse than it, it was at the end. But we, even us, with our little means, we can't replace a complete social security system. So we saw people dying. We saw situation absolutely terrible. And uh, sometimes the only thing you can do is cry. The only thing you can you can you can just be a witness of the of the suffering. But it's important. It's important to do that. It's important to to be with them. Uh, one of the thing which is amazing in West Africa in the culture there is the quality and the maturity in relationship. You you make friends there like uh, like 
it's just incredible and uh, and because people live so much uh, uh, are confronted with so much death and everything it brings actually a lot of maturity in even in the children so we were together so in 2006 when the crisis blew up and i'm not going to go into detail but it was quite rough it was very difficult we had to restart everything so we started a school we had a, a bit less than 200 children in a little house so you imagine a, a, a front room you divide in one on one wall you have a blackboard on the other wall you have a blackboard you have 15 or 20 children on each side and two classrooms with two teachers uh, teaching at the same time and uh, some of the classrooms were outside in the in the yard under a tree if they were fortunate sometimes there's no tree but one day there was a graffiti on the on the school a graffiti can you believe that and you know where the graffiti was writing was uh, was saying Gravity was saying, I love the school. I love my school. So that, that's kind of atmosphere we had. And um, but like I said, because of the crisis, it was a lot of tension until 2007. On top of that, other tension came in the country with a, a big demonstration of people going peacefully for to, uh, cl uh, claiming for democracy and uh, the government shooting them and with the uh, guns uh, and cannon and everything we could actually heard the noise from uh, where we were and a big helicopters going around the city everybody running everywhere uh, officially 250 people were killed of course the school uh, has been working with the poor helping giving access to children uh, who had no access to education especially girls we had the uh, we, we we were doing that uh, right from the beginning uh, we were all having um, the church starting growing we got about 50 60 people uh, and and we we we, we got uh, stronger things were getting settled a second crisis happened the president dies in december 2008 uh, there's a coup and in September 2009 opposition making demonstration go into the stadium they lock up the stadium shoot people rape the woman the French government decide to expel us out of the country since I'm working for the French government I have to go I didn't want to go because I didn't I didn't want to go <laughs> anyway we had to go at the same time in our family we were living the real difficult challenge we had to live with is that our children our oldest children were were leaving to go back to to france for their studies and uh, that was very painful because uh, we had to let them go and uh, we couldn't be with them when they were 18 and uh, if uh, all of us that has been the most difficult thing for our family so anyway we lived there for 10 months in france uh, the church carried on without us, learned how to live without us, didn't grow, didn't get smaller. When we come back, you know, uh, Guinea is a strong Muslim country, and uh, I preached the gospel, preached uh, the resurrection of Jesus, and the death of Jesus and his res resurrection, and people be started becoming Christian. One after the other, we started seeing a lot of people becoming Christian becoming Christians through the testimony of the school. And another thing we saw as well is that uh, we, one of the main reasons why people were, 
we are becoming Christian is because we were helping the poor. And I just want to tell you one af incredible afternoon, uh, 2010 or 11, I, I went out to, to the street uh, to buy some bread with, uh, with Prince because I never go on my own. And uh, Prince, uh, I met two children of the school and I realized that uh, in the morning they were going to school and in the afternoon they were selling. On their head they had a, a tray with a biscuit on their head and they were selling biscuits uh, to the market to be able to, to provide for, for the family. And I, I, these two children were brilliant, brilliant students, but they, they couldn't study or anything because they had to do sell, sell, uh, sell um, biscuits. They were not even 10. So I was very shocked by that. And then we received a phone call and there was a, a lady, not a Christian, that lady, the, the mother of these children, were not, were not in a church either. And uh, uh, the, that lady was in prison because she had an argument with, uh, with some, some uh, neighbors. So Prince is a specialist of taking people out of the prison. So on the Saturday, he went to get these people out of prison. On the same evening, I called Maina. We tried to, to get these children under sponsorship with uh, New Frontiers and Nigeria program. And then Elaine, in the same day, went to see another lady who just gave birth to a little daughter. And this lady was living in a container under the sun. Imagine uh, it's 30, 25 degrees at night when you have uh, uh, windows. They had lo locked themselves up into a container with a, it was more than 40 in that container. There was not even, there was just space for the bed and the suitcases. Mummy with the four children with a baby, one of them being a baby of a few weeks, Elaine went there and she cried. And what we did there as a church, we, we, built, we, we decided to help these uh, this, uh, this three cases by giving, uh, paying for raising support, paying with our own money as well for the lady with the four children. That, when, that was very difficult. That lady had a lot of issues to be sorted out. You know, when you help the poor, it's not just, it's not just money. It's, you have to help psychologically as well. You have to help socially, you have to help spiritually. So she gave her life to Jesus. She got baptized. And then the, the, other, and the other mother started coming to church as well. And the children... Uh, uh, but that other, that mother didn't have she could manage herself quite well so we didn't we didn't need to look after her socially or materially so much and then the other lady she was from a strong muslim background prince took her out of the uh, out of the prison so the following sunday she came to church to say thank you to the church and thank you to god for helping her and what happened is that because the, we, were, we were a church praising God and preaching the gospel, people were coming into the church, she could feel the presence of God. So she felt the presence of God, gave her life to Jesus. So when we had people making a step of faith, we were always taking them to baptism course, leading them to baptism, and then baptize them there and when they get baptized they were inviting friends over to to see the baptism so the friends came over and she gave testimony she said the, the church helped me uh, the church did that to this to me etc and then we they, they they go into the room into the it was not a room actually we were meeting under some some uh, zinc 
because we never had the, the money to, to have any building. And, uh, and then uh, uh, they, 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 these people came into the, 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 the meeting and in an amazing way, they felt the presence of God. They really felt the presence of God. So I, we preach the gospel, simple but straight gospel. They feel the presence of God. We baptize people. When people come out of the water, we lay hands on them. They fall in the spirit, pray in tongues. And uh, so, after baptism, we had another 5, 10, 15 candidates for more baptism because people were touched by the presence of God. And uh, the church was growing like that so much that we, 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 went, we went from uh, 50 to 250 in a few years. And uh, starting reaching out uh, and um, starting seeing a lot of people becoming Christian. To be honest, it got very difficult as well because we had so much work and so much, uh, uh, so much difficulty to face. That, uh, we, 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 when the church was growing, actually, the church was getting poorer. And, uh, and we were all the time trying to, to, to go out and looking for more uh, means, uh, more building, etc. And that's our testimony. And he carries on. After we, since we've left, jo um, James is, uh, is uh, having a, leading the team now. And he, they started a church in Dubreka. I've heard about uh, this, talking about starting another one in another part of the country. And uh, the school has moved to another part of the, uh, to a bigger building and, uh, and is more independent than ever. And, uh, and uh, the, the God is honoring his, uh, his, uh, his gospel. And like Paul said in the New Testament, when you preach the gospel somewhere, you don't have to worry about it. It's going to carry on because the gospel is a message of life. And it's a message that's going to turn over everything. So that's our testimony. Uh, God bless you. Amen.